0: To get to here on the BWI Daily Edition, it's a big week and we are post-practice, so a lot of things to get to and because it's the internet, we can take as much time as we want and we're probably going to do that. I'm your host Thomas Frank Carr, Nate Bauer, Senior Editor at Blue White Illustrated. We were at practice yesterday and always, after practice, we're going to be giving you our impressions and what we thought stood out yesterday. So first off, Nate, welcome to the show. Glad uh, you're here once again.
1: Uh, Thank you so much for having me. How are you?
0: I am doing well, Uh, so there's a lot of stuff coming up in the show, so I'm kind of in fight or flight mode of, like, I've got to be locked in like a fighter pilot to get everything in because now we have a sponsor, so I have real responsibilities. As you can see down below, we're now brought to you by Manscaped.
1: And and I'm just sitting back in first class, just letting you drive this plane straight through the friendly skies. Yes. Lead the way, buddy.
0: I will be avoiding all of the mountains and, uh, you know, any geese on the way up or down.
1: Great. That's a great start. Let's go.
0: Okay, so yesterday I noticed you were spending a good number of minutes uh, over by the defense and checking out Brent Pry, the linebackers, safeties, things like that. So what was your initial impression of what you saw during our availability uh, at the beginning of practice?
1: Well, let's just start by clarifying one thing. Uh, For me to not exclusively spend my time with the defense, I would have to walk so far To go see the offense, yes, and I I
0: ran that several times yesterday.
1: That's for a younger, healthier person, and that person is you. Um, So that
0: I can bring you stuff like this, that's correct. Later, get you stuff like this.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, that's that's the gold right there. I'm just. I'm, a, I'm more of a, a stationary kind of guy, you know I like to I like to post up.
0: So you're on. you're more of a haluba Hall guy when you just have to walk up and down the sideline maybe 30 yards.
1: Haluba <laughs> Hall is perfect. It, it's all <laughs> contained. It, they, they keep things uh, in one place there, but no, it practice on on Wednesdays when they're outside and it was a beautiful day yesterday. Uh, you know, the distance from the offensive line to the defensive line, for individual drills, it, I mean, that's got to be what? Like 150 yards at least? And you yeah.
0: got to, it's it's more than I can handle. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> what what did you see then when you were hanging out over there uh, with Brent Pry being hyper focused for a specific reason other than the distance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On yeah. Brent no,
1: Brent. <laughs> look, like, uh, again, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a limited window that we get to see, and it's not a particularly insightful time. Uh, but what I always notice, and and again, like this could be a figment of my imagination, I'm not sure, but it just seems like the assistants get into these guys a little more, right? Like James Franklin is consistency. That's what he preaches. Is every week it doesn't matter who the opponent is. Uh, everything about their approach is going to stay the same, but. You know, Brent Pry yelling at a guy for not conducting uh, a bag drill to the level that he prefers yeah. is reserved, I think, for this type of game. Right? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just, it's an attention to detail that is already hyper focused and and you know localized like they they just they try to keep that from week to week to week but you you can tell like there's just there's just a little bit of a buzz there's a little bit of an edge um and that was kind of that was kind of the one thing that that I took away from at least from the defensive side of the ball yesterday what did you see when you were gallivanting around the field
0: Uh, so first off, I, I, I saw the same interaction you're talking about. And I think that you're right about that. One of the interesting things was, and you covered this in your notebook was that there was an issue with the, uh, sound. So we, they, they turned it off. Usually they have blaring music when we're there or some sort of crowd noise and there was some issue with it. So they turned it off and we, I think we got to hear a little bit more. And to me, uh, that's the stuff I'm, I'm there for of like, what's the coaching like, what, what does good coaching sound like? And, you know, Brent Pry is a good defensive coordinator, good linebackers coach. And watching all of those things and hearing all of those things, I, I thought was super interesting. Uh, and then the offensive line, some, um, some individual drills, some individual blocking drills that I got to go and see. Uh, and if you, th- this is a thing I've been asked multiple times of are they not focusing on run blocking in practice? Do they only teach pass blocking? How can they be so bad at run blocking? It's got to be some failure in the system. It's like, no, they were working with Eric Wilson and and they were working with Rasheed Walker and they were working with Juice Scruggs on run blocking. All of them were doing individual drills against, you know, the, the scout team, but like the scout team is not the scout team of like five or six years ago. There's some gigantic dudes on the scout team. So they're getting work on that stuff. It's just that certain players have strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, watching that and then watching some of the uh, later in the day, and we'll get to some of this, can't get into too much of it, but watching Mike Yersich work with the quarterbacks and receivers, I was very interested in how detailed they were when it comes to uh, what they were working on and how much they're focusing on specific things where... You know, if there's a situation in the game that arises, you may think it's just the quarterback's fault. But there are a million variables that go into where a route should be run and why that are, you know, it could be completely on the receiver. And, you you know, because we don't know the intricate, minute details of how you change things from opponent to opponent, that is uh, something that I think is super interesting about what we saw yesterday and gets into really the nitty gritty of football.
1: Yeah, well, uh, so two things. First, you, you messed up that setup. You're, you're supposed to say, no, they don't do run practice. They, they don't. <laughs> you're right. You nailed it. <laughs> they just they wiped that out of the practice schedule. It's not something that exists. Uh, and no, I mean, it, it, it is. It's the amount that they cram into a prep, right? Like we're there for 20 minutes and they're doing 15 things in those yep. 20 minutes. And so when you consider that spaced out over two hours every day, uh, the amount of work that gets done in one week just on the field is is kind of crazy to consider. Um, I, I always – I, I think it's the most undersold element of the game is how much these guys have to know, right? Yeah. Like mentally, there are just so much – to absorb from week to week, I mean, it, it's it's genuinely remarkable that they uh, keep it all together.
0: Yeah. And speaking of a guy that's got to know all of it, the guy who just put up there on screen, Sean Clifford, uh, you were in the media availability with him this week and you had some thoughts about how he was uh, conducting himself and some of the insights that you might divine from that. Uh, you wrote about earlier this week. What, what were your impressions of Sean this week so far? So <laughs> this this is
1: this is more good natured and lighthearted than it probably sounds, but like he had no time for a media availability yesterday. Yeah. Like just just he was somewhere else that he had no interest in answering questions. Um, you know, and like he's always a good sport. He's he he does his best, uh, I think, but some Sometimes are better than other. Like normally, I would say that he is one of the better interviews on the team. He's he's introspective. Uh, he he's always got you know some some unique angles that he's willing to talk about. He's more forthcoming than a lot of people in his position would be. But yesterday, like bottom line, dude is locked in. Like he he just he is ready for this game. He is uh has a a million other things to do. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it, it is, it is, he's he's very clearly spent. So he's already a guy whose reputation is that of being a a huge preparation person. Like he he just that's one of the first things that anybody talks about is how well he prepares. Mm-hmm. But I think that this year it it has gone to a different level and you know just from my impressions and those uh shared with me uh, at certain times that that is kind of the uh the takeaway that I have had this week is that that's where he's coming from is mm-hmm. there's there's a, there's a reason why he's he's uh he's kind of short uh from that that end of things.
0: So this is going to, this is good tease for later. We're going to get into some of the, the breakdown of the game, some keys of the game brought to you by questions from the audience. So we'll get to that in a little bit. And one of the keys, obviously is Sean Clifford, but not just sure. because he's the quarterback, but just this specific opponent, he's going to need to be locked in this week. There's a lot. He has to pay attention to on the football field. And uh, you know, it's going to be a fascinating matchup to see how he does. James Franklin talked to the media yesterday. After practice, what were, what did you think of his answers uh, now that you've had some time to digest it and some of the things that he said after the practice when we had a chance to speak to him?
1: Yeah. So, so the first thing that of all the things that he said, right, like, and these things are fairly pedestrian, right? It's, we do it every Wednesday. And I think from the media side of things, you, you almost, if you've been doing this for a while and we have, you kind of know what he's going to say. There's, not, there's yeah. not a lot that he's going to say that is different from anything you expect. You know, somebody asked him yesterday whether he gets excited to go on the road. <laughs> he was R- like, "Right, no. <laughs> oh, no, I yeah. don't get excited to get on the road. Yeah. Uh, like that's – he would prefer this game to be at Beaver Stadium. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, but no, somebody, somebody asked him about how Iowa – I don't want to mess this up because I, I don't want it to sound disrespectful, but how Iowa has – Not created many yards, but has created points offensively.
0: They they are the lowest in terms of average yards per game in the Big Ten. They're at 300 and I want to say 23. I'll get that properly up for you here in a little bit.
1: Right. And there is a stat that accompanies that that I don't currently have off the top of my head. But it's that Iowa is starting with the ball at midfield all game. for for the majority of its five games. Uh they they just they have created sixteen turnovers. And so many of those turnovers have been on their opponent's side of the field that uh his response you you know to that question was just, hey, you can't you can't denigrate them for not having a ton of yards. They like there's only There's so many here. yards between where you get the ball and the end zone, and <laughs> if you reach the end zone, that means you've succeeded. Yep. And so, like that, that's kind of the the big mystery, I think, from from Penn State side of things, right? Like we're we're constantly looking from the outside. We look from the outside in at Penn State, but right. we are especially looking from the outside in at Iowa. Like I, I haven't seen five Iowa games this year. Yeah. You haven't seen five
0: Iowa games, so. I- so- I've watched, I've watched four and a half on film. Yeah. Do you sleep T Frank? No, actually, no, I don't. I I, I really don't do that well. Uh, Yeah. yeah, So 320 yards per game is what they're doing. Uh, And um, to your point yesterday, when we were, when I had um, John Steppy on the show from Iowa, he was saying there were questions about whether you should bench Petris this season, who has been one of the big, better quarterbacks in the Big Ten. If you look at the the whole body of work so far, and that shocked me again. Watching the the film and watching how he's performed, uh, you know, I I was pretty impressed. As compared to what I was expecting from an Iowa quarterback, always, you know, the 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 perspective should always be there of what are you expecting from a college quarterback and then specifically what Iowa wants from their quarterback. I thought for the most part, he was delivering those things when the offensive line gave him time and receivers got open and he was, you know, all those things. But yeah, you're right. From the outside looking in at Iowa, the close outside, they're like, what's the deal? Why aren't they throwing the ball down the field? Where's this uh, Petris is holding this offense back? And it's like, they're scoring gobs of points. Yeah. So it, it is, yeah. Uh, one if, thing that, and I know I want to set you up for this because this is something that once we dug into this, both you and I independently, we came away with the Iowa offense though. Even though they have those short fields, there is a story to be told about how they do it.
1: Yeah, their offensive efficiency is not great. Um they just
0: Would you say it's offensively inefficient?
1: I would say that it is offensively inefficient. They are in the bottom half. And now it's not like that bad. It's not the worst uh in the Big 10 by any means, but they're just they don't they're not going to score in three plays. Right, yeah. like they're not gonna. That's just that's just not how they operate. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I do think that while he while James Franklin yesterday in his response was complimentary, as you would expect him to be of of Iowa, uh, I, I do think that there's a, a little bit of a, a counter argument and an underside of yeah, they're they're probably not um, they're not that efficient, and the stats mm. reflect that. Uh, yeah. And so you pulled up a stat. What I can't remember what it was. Uh, what- Four point
0: eight yards per play is what they average, and that is the last. That is that is the bottom of the Big Ten in terms of their their ability to generate yards per play. Penn State is not in the top five, but they're at six point two. They're in the top half. I believe they're. Uh, I believe they're sixth. In terms of yards per play, so again, their inefficiencies come sometimes from the ground game not being as good as you know everyone wants it to be, and then some of the incompletions when they try those deep passes and they're trying to get those explosive plays. Uh, they're not the most efficient because they're not hitting those deep plays. But if they were, they would be one of the most efficient offenses in the Big Ten. Iowa doesn't really attempt those they don't really attempt those when they do Spencer Petras is able to put the ball on the money if the receiver gets open so and again that's part of the story is is the receiver going to get open this game
1: right yeah Yeah. I I mean against this Penn State secondary I think I think that's a question that is yet to be answered I I I mean it's it's always the storyline it doesn't matter what year it is but is Iowa gonna run the ball on Penn State Mm -hmm. because Penn State stops it. I mean, Penn State has been very effective in limiting... um, I I just brought this up earlier this week, but it took Wisconsin 56 carries to get to 180 yards, you know, whatever that number was, right? Like, so Wisconsin almost had 200 yards rushing, but it took a ton of carries. Auburn, it took 40 carries to get to 150 yards, 160 yards. So Penn State... uh, the the rushing yards per game is good but it would be even better if there was a caveat to it of what's the yards per rush because right. the yards per rush that Penn State has put out this season including most recently against Indiana has been excellent like mm-hmm. it this is just this has been a very very good and efficient defense at stopping average yards per carry and the the in turn It has opened up opportunities for, for the secondary. So, no, I mean, I, I think like if I'm looking at Penn state's athletes versus in the secondary against the receivers that they're covering, you, you would think that Penn state has, uh, some level of advantage there, um, you know, in, in terms of creating some opportunities for themselves.
0: And speaking of, one of the biggest storylines coming into this game is the turnover margin. Both teams getting their hands on the ball. Iowa, of course, as you probably have heard, they've got a lot of turnovers. They are first in the NCAA in their turnover margin. Penn State coming in tied at 13th with plus six. So we talked to Jair Brown after practice, and uh, I always enjoy listening to Tig speak because he's such a well uh he's so confident in those moments he when, yeah. when we speak to him he's such a confident centered person it's very calming for everyone else i think too uh so it, it's a, he's an interesting person to talk to he leads uh the big 10 tied with riley moss of iowa in the number of interceptions and james franklin said that he thinks he's got one of the better safety tandems in the country so first off what how how has this journey for Penn State to be in this position? Like, what's your view on that? Because I, I think that that is, you could say they've had good safeties, but they've never had guys like they have right now that make a huge difference in the game and, and that yeah. can make game-changing plays. You know, how has this, this journey been from your perspective? So, so two things, because I think the first time that I heard it was
1: Anthony Poindexter uh, Penn state's new safeties coach. But when he came in, I asked him on his like introductory press conference about, you know, it's a stupid question, but like, what's your perception of turnovers? Like, how important is that to you? Because Penn state as a program has been pounding that drum for the last three, four, five years of how important these are. And he was like, these these are game changing plays. These are life changing plays. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yep. Like, yep. And so that's that's heavy. Uh, that that yeah. is that. But but that's that's reality. And and so I think that you saw an extension of that comment when James Franklin this week was talking about. Uh, I'm going to forget the name. The Cowboys defensive back uh, Diggs. Right? Uh,
0: Trevon Diggs. Yep.
1: Who has, a, who has these interceptions and he's like, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know what he does on the other 60 snaps a game I that do. he's, you do know, you do know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's funny. I actually had to do a. I had to do a deep dive on Trevon Diggs last week. It was just ironic that those two things came up.
1: <laughs> so, uh, but, but the point being is yes, it matters what he does on those other 60 plays, but the ones that we all know about, the ones yep. that even a casual NFL fan knows about, are the interceptions, right yep. the turnovers. And yeah. So and no, nobody
0: cares. nobody cares as he's given up uh, receiving uh, receptions of over 40 yards in every single game because he's gotten yep. five interceptions so far this season, one in every game. Yeah. yeah.
1: right. And so like and so that's that's the bottom line there is Penn State has been trying to make this happen. This has been yep. a, a point of emphasis uh, that there have been, you know, I think some mixed perceptions as to how Penn state, uh, right. Cause the, the, the most common refrain is that the cornerbacks are not willing to get beat deep, right. More than they are willing to take that chance and create an interception.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, is that is that generally like the critique? So this I think, is, I'm not, there's a lot that goes into that. And this is the frustrating thing for me is it goes both ways because Tariq Castro Fields, what you just said about life-changing plays, he wants to go to the NFL. He wants to be drafted. And he knows that the book on Tariq is he's a good zone corner. He doesn't get his hands on the ball. And he's biting on double moves this year because he wants to get a pick. So, you know, and he's playing aggressively downhill. First off, I think that's been a little bit of a change this year as opposed to last year or years previous with Brent Pry. But on top of that, you know, that part aside, just Tariq aside, if you play certain coverages, your responsibility is the deep coverage. And there are certain plays, you know, as the defensive coordinator, you're kind of willing to just give up. You're willing to give up those underneath plays of six yards. If you're in cover three rally and tackle like that's the point of that coverage. And if you are being frustrated or taking that as a negative or taking, you know, a a shot at a corner who is in that situation, he's doing his job like that is his job. And and that's like the balancing act of when do you be aggressive? When do you not be aggressive in those situations? I. I'm
1: tr- I'm thinking um, just from recollection here, but has, has other than the Kalen King score at the end of the Villanova game, has Penn State secondary given up a sh- chunk touchdown?
0: Um, I don't think so. They've given up the, the, the second and third string have given up a touchdown, two touchdowns, but the starting unit has not given up a single passing touchdown this year.
1: And so that's the point. Yeah, <laughs> that's. That's that's it. Like that's that's the game. Is so, uh, yeah. These are there is a difference though between passes defended, passes broken up, yeah, and passes intercepted. And the Penn State has the uh, the the instincts in the secondary this year, they, right? And and these yeah. are all things that can be developed. But I think it helps when you have some athletes who are just they they might have a knack for it. Yeah right like uh James Franklin has talked about it previously uh, uh specifically about Kalen king but other guys as well yeah who the ball just finds them and so this year uh for all of these it's not it's not one thing it is a cornucopia of elements that have put Penn State in a position to 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 be in in a position to make the play in the first place, but they've made the play. They've made the play. Because we can all, off the top of our heads also, think back on some critical opportunities that Penn State is... And we're not talking about like, oh, this was just uh, an off chance. These guys were in position to make a play and end the game with an interception, and they didn't happen, right? The ball hit the turf. And so, like, that's... That's it. That's what that's what we're talking about here is these 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 are the plays that dictate who wins and who loses. And Penn State has just been uh, much better at that. this year. Bottom line.
0: So I think it's also uh, because this is the question I asked Anthony Poindexter when when we first got a chance to talk to him is how do you even identify or quantify instincts? Because it is the biggest enigma and it seems like something Penn State has been searching for but to this point has not been able to identify and bring into the program. And if you can't identify it or you can't easily identify it, can you teach it? And he said, well, it's super, it's super easy. If you can bring those guys into the program, it's much easier if you do it that way. And I do think that they have made a concerted effort over time of identifying those guys and bring them to the program. Uh, you know, both Brisker and Jair Brown were Juco transfers that made plays at that level. And, and they're, they're targeting guys in recruiting right now in the next two classes that when I'm doing my scouting reports, either one or two on their list of abilities is they get their hands on the ball. So it's a priority and it's something that they are changing about the program. But these are the things that take time. You know, it takes two or three years to go get players and then get them on the field. You don't just, you don't just go buy players like you do in the NFL. Like that's, that's, you know, there's a little bit more with the transfer portal, but not as much.
1: It's just, it's just, it's funny to look at for as complex as all of this is to look at from 30,000 feet, how they make these evolutions in the program, right? How they prioritize certain things uh, and what they, what they feel are the three, four, five key ingredients to. Winning football games, right? Like what's yeah. what's what's the formula? And you can see it in recruiting. You're like, you're absolutely right. The the things that they prioritize in recruiting, they feel like win football games. And it's just it's funny. We were talking earlier how Iowa, the like the rap on Iowa is that they always stay the same. Yep. That it doesn't matter from year to year. And you mentioned to me, like that's Penn State. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what's happening. That Penn State is the same thing. It's yeah. just, it's it's not wildly different. Um, it's just a matter of how they prioritize things, how they go out and get the, the, the student athletes who can uh bring those elements to the field and then execute it. And yeah. so that's that's this like broad quest that Penn State is on and Saturday afternoon in Iowa is gonna be yet another demonstration of whether or not that formula works.
0: Yeah. And and, and, and speaking of how it always is the same, I, yesterday I was pretty annoyed with myself because, like, you get, for most of us that aren't the Nate Bowers and, and the elites of uh, the Penn State beat, you oh, get stop. one question a week. You get one single question, and I totally face planted on my question yesterday because yeah it's the same thing and we're gonna get it's part of what i'm asking and what i'm thinking about is and when we get into our uh breakdown of the game coming up and some of the questions about the game coming up it is a huge part of this game and i just asked the question i've asked before because yeah how how the hell do you beat cover two if people don't want you to get a deep shot like the the, the book on penn state is they want to get explosive plays, so everyone plays them a certain way. And how do you go get them when everyone wants to stop you? So, you know, I asked that two years ago. I asked that today, and it was annoying. Uh, <laughs> what, speaking you, of things, what did he say?
1: I can't remember. Uh,
0: basically a reheated version. He's very nice whenever you ask a dumb question. So I always appreciate that. James is nothing if not polite, and I always respect that because I can operate in that environment. Uh it, so it was, you know, version of the same thing we've talked about before. Uh, something that we've never talked about before on this show is male grooming. Oh man! So, Here we go. so Nate, uh, here's, here's, de- here's here's the deal. Here's here's the deal. until
1: real quick. Okay, my mom is watching.
0: Okay, uh, great. <laughs> Does she need manscaped? Because probably not, based on the name, uh, and based on based on the fact that I've never seen you with facial hair. Until yeah. two weeks ago, I you know I don't know if you're gonna be contributing a lot to this conversation because you don't seem like a very hairy hair. dude.
1: I had facial hair.
0: You had some. You had like I had. It was because the sun caught it right. You had a little had, bit of stubble.
1: Dude, I'm I'm still waiting for my voice to change. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm 37 going on eighth grade.
0: Yeah. So that's the deal. Is like you know, I I'm very pro masculine. You know, expressions, I have a beard, I sport a respectable amount of chest hair on this show almost every day. So, but there are certain areas you shouldn't have a lot of hair, and down there is one of them. And the support for the the BWI Daily Edition brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and the champions of the world. Manscaped offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is launching their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, which I have right here. I've waited to use this, by the way, because I didn't want to be using, I didn't want to be like bringing a used product under the air considering what it is. So here is, it's very, I love things that feel upscale. And if it comes to you like this, it's very fancy. So here's the Lawnmower 4.0. Here it is. I'm going to This is our football show has suddenly turned into an unboxing video. So you know we're going to go viral, right? <laughs> I dropped it. Perfect. Hold on. Ah! Well, it's down there. It's already uh, it's already on its way down. <laughs> here we go. All right. Here is here is the lawnmower 4.0. It's very that's, that's precision nice. engineered. That um nice. So I've used so many different products over the years, like just finding things to try and get them to work. By the way, they bring they, they gave us this like swaggy pack of like different oils and lotions. Very excited for it. I believe there's even a travel bag in here.
1: Mm, perfect for my upcoming soiree in Iowa City.
0: Yeah, look at this. They give you this really fancy travel bag, which is always another thing for me is like, I don't have a first off, I don't travel as much as you do, but like if I had this.
1: Yeah, no, that's that is uh what is perfect. referred to as the the DOP kit.
0: The DOP? What is DOP?
1: Uh I don't know. That's just what it's called.
0: Very Listen, I'm, a, very I'm roomy. an
1: Esquire subscriber. I know what's up. Oh
0: wow, you are a fancy gentleman. So uh, here's yeah. the deal. This thing is meant to be used on your nether region. So mm. get something that is that is designed to tangle with your dangle, okay. Don't be afraid when you're trying to, you know, make sure that you're properly manicured. And that's what the Lawnmower 4.0 is for. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer, which you see the promo code on the bottom, 20 blue white. That's 20, capital B, Lou, capital W, White. And you get 20% off and free shipping worldwide with the promo code 20 white at Manscaped.com. The lawnmower 4.0. So there you go. Beautiful. Manscaped.
1: Beautiful. That was that was tremendous.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm 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 a professional endorser of products. I've been at sure. it for a while now.
1: I thought that you would be their spokesperson in the first place. I mean, you're you're the living brawny man. So. <laughs> I did wear specifically a
0: shirt that made me look very fall. Like, yes, I'm a lumberjack. I go outside yeah. and I eat bears.
1: <laughs> that was bear meat is that good
0: oh i have no idea i'm, I I'm a fu- listen i grew up on a farm and mm. i was the worst outdoor kid ever i stayed inside and played video games i grew up a suburban kid and the only neighbor i had was my grandma within two miles so don't okay. ask me what the outdoors are like i've been inside watching football since i was nine <laughs> and
1: here we get to enjoy the benefit of it thank yes. god
0: Yes. Uh, so let's get to some questions. We got, we're got. we going to get into a little bit more of a, a breakdown proper of Penn State and Iowa now that we've kind of wrapped up yesterday and what we saw and heard from James Franklin and at practice. So I want to get to some questions submitted by you. And uh, let's start here with this one about uh, George says, Iowa relies heavily on its tight ends on third down. How should Penn State... Defend or cover the tight end. I think this will be key to getting the D off the field. This is from George, who's a Blue White Illustrated subscriber. And the best way to get these information, this information and these answers is to be a subscriber. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, BWI.Rivals.com, backslash subscribe. So George's question, Nate. What is your opinion on how this is going to happen and go down for Penn State? What would what what are you thinking about when it comes to uh the tight end position, which is by by far the more talented of the positions for the Iowa Hawkeyes?
1: Yeah, aren't there aren't there two top receivers tight ends, the one and two, or is it just One,
0: Uh, it might be one of their running backs is uh, the other top receiver, but I haven't looked into the breakdown by targets. I, you know, because they're all, they all look the same to me. The receivers look like the tight ends look like the fullbacks look like the linemen.
1: Right. But you know, you know what they want to do, right? And so, um, you know, how how do you stop the tight end? Your linebacker plays well in coverage or your safety plays well in coverage, but more, more to. I just I, I always end in the same place and this might be too simplistic of an answer, but stop the run on first and second down and create an obvious passing situation on third down and you're probably gonna do fairly well. Yeah. Um that's just that's just right, like get to the quarterback, uh create pressure. That that creates um, you know, opportunities there in the, the pass defense to to really hone in on what you're doing and take advantage of those situations. So I don't know. What do you What do you think? What, how should How should Penn State defend the tight end?
0: So this, I don't think you want to use linebackers simply because. Uh, Spencer Petrus, what I've seen on film is when it comes to targeting behind the linebacker in between the safeties, he is better than most of the Iowa quarterbacks I've seen. And this is going to be a test of Penn State's been playing pretty well when everything's in front of them. So I think you're right about when it comes down to, you want to get them in third and long situations so they have fewer options. But if it were me, I'm putting my all big 10 and all American, uh, safety, on yeah. their tight ends and I I might play a little bit of man coverage because you got the athletes to do it. Man up Jaquan Brisker on the tight end, play cover 1 or, you know, some of the stuff they did last week against Indiana, I thought was really good with their their zone blitzing. They'd bring 5 and they'd drop the nose tackle or they would bring, you know, pressure and then they would they would uh, bounce one of the defensive ends. If you can get into Spencer Petrus's face, it's another key is he goes down hard. He is like a glass jawed boxer. Most of he has been he has been uh, pressured fewer times on average than most Big Ten quarterbacks, and more of them result in sacks. Other than Brandon Peters, who played in one game, I think. So does, he is he is not good at avoiding pressure. Does he get
1: the ball out quickly? Is that is that a part of their repertoire?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The underneath passing game—that's part of the efficiency metrics of four point eight yards—is the majority of their passes are underneath. You know, it's sixty or sixty-four of their passes so far this season are underneath. You know, nine yards and in. So that leads the Big Ten. They—they're selectively aggressive. They're aggressive in the situations where they need to be, and it's enough of a threat, especially to the tight end over the middle, that you yeah. have to respect it. And he can't hit those throws, so don't give him those throws. Give and, them the but, underneath stuff and let Brandon Smith go and hit line uh, tight ends and running backs in the flat.
1: But that's, that's where that play action comes into play, right? Is, is when they do want to buy themselves some time, that's how they set it up.
0: Yeah, and those also typically offer easier reads. So you're going to have... If you do a play-action boot, one of the basic things, you saw Wisconsin do this, and if you see my film breakdown of what Wisconsin did, they did a high school offensive passing game of, you know, a naked bootleg with a levels concept, which is the quarterback you've seen, and he's running out by himself out in the flat, and he's got a tight end here, and then he's got a receiver here and a receiver deep, and he's got yep. three options. And if it's zone coverage, you pick which one is open, and where, where the defense folds is where you target. And... Penn State, a couple times, he got Curtis Jacobs on those throws. That would be what I would be concerned about with Iowa if you're putting that guy in this situation. But if you get a guy in his face, if you uh, play in man coverage and you don't bite on the play action... What you're doing is you're putting your quarterback out for for Jesse Luketa, and this is what Penn State did against Wisconsin. Just hit the quarterback, Jesse Luketa, just went like a rabid dog after him a couple times. So it was they solved that problem, and that was a big part of Wisconsin's offense. Can can
1: can Penn State do that again? Like, can I guess my question is, can can Iowa live off of that? Like, no. can Iowa's offense live doing that and and get you know do enough to win a football game uh, against this Penn State defense doing that.
0: So game flow is a lot of this too. Uh, and, and this comes down to a lot of guys would have to have their worst game. And you you would then have to be overcommitted to the run because it's Iowa and because you're not playing well or you need to emphasize on stopping that first. But with the right. way P.J. Musfer is playing this year and the way he can absorb double teams on these outside zones – the one area I would look at is once they get him running a couple times, Wisconsin, when they double teamed him, he did, you did get some movement that way. But then we saw against Indiana, he just knifed in front of people and, and got a, a huge tackle for a loss. So he's been playing really well. And and since that game, you know, when we talked to him a couple weeks ago, he said he and Dion Barnes sat down. They had some tough conversations about some things he needed to do better and some techniques and things. And since then he's improved in those situations. Now, this is a better offense and a better offensive line. And yep. uh, Tyler Linderbaum is one of the best centers athletically in, in the nation. So it's going to be a tough test. But I don't think they can live off that because they're going to get enough plays defensively to stop that. And then it becomes right. you're expecting it and you don't need to think so much about that. And you can play your assignments a little better.
1: Right. No, and that's what I mean, that's what Penn State does, right? Is yeah. Does not give up the big play and forces you to do that you know, six first downs, like you need six first downs to get a touchdown against this Penn state defense. And yep. that's incredibly hard to do. That is
0: very, very difficult. Uh, another question coming up is from, uh, bar to ski. How does your such attack? Iowa's cover to defense. So I think this is going to be a lot about, uh, one guy in particular, and that'd be Rashid Walker. Um, because the one thing you want against zone coverage is time and this is what i said about uh sean clifford earlier in the show is he's gonna need to be on his game when it comes to his recognition of coverage and an area where he still needs to take a little bit of a step forward is his anticipation and his anticipatory throwing because that's a part of his game that is still developing of knowing when zones open and when he needs to throw the ball so that the ball gets to the receiver before the window closes. He still is struggling with I need to see it and I need to make sure it's open before I throw it. There are some throws where he's he's doing a lot better on that, some of the deep throws he's throwing as the receiver's breaking, or you know, in those easy to read cover threes that I talked about earlier, where you're just getting those yards that are there. He throws and the ball's there when the receiver turns around. But it's the it's the stuff that I think uh, Spencer Petras does really well is over the middle. A zone's gonna open, and you need to throw it, and the ball needs to meet the receiver in in motion, and that's how you beat a, that's how you beat a cover two or any zone coverage in particular. You need to hit the targeted weak areas, and you need to have the time to do it, and you need to have the quarterback to do it. And the longer you have, and this is why. The offensive line is important. The longer you have, the easier it is on the quarterback because the zones break down. That's really what it is. How hard can that possibly be? I do it in Madden all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so this is another thing that Iowa, I'm not convinced that the pressure they've gotten... Is as quality as some of the pressure that Penn State has gotten. Now they've gotten more. They've had more volume. They've also been ahead big in a lot of games. They've had a lot of garbage time pass rush, but they don't have any Arnold Ebikiti on their team. Uh, nope. Van Valkenburg, by the way, sounds like some like it's it's a couple syllables away from being the Millennium Falcon. He sounds like a Star Wars spaceship. He's not. He's a power player. He is a he is a powerful edge rusher and we saw what Penn State's offensive line did to a, a team that didn't necessarily have speed they yep. were able to keep a clean pocket against four and they were able to give Sean Clifford time to go find the receiver so I think this is a distinct advantage for Penn State is that Rashid Walker is going to be a huge part and and uh their offensive line will give him time is is this where
1: is this where also where Clifford's ability to uh you know feel the pocket right like Mm -hmm. his ability to break the pocket and to extend a play um you know we talked about it earlier this week but james franklin i thought it was fascinating insight talking about moving to the sideline and how right you know uh he's got receivers that do that with him um there there is a there is a unison a, a a concurrent process uh that has become very effective and you and you watch it you see these linebackers in conflict between stopping clifford from picking up five ten yards scrambling which he will do he he will do that yep um and staying you know uh, moving that zone back to to defend the receiver yeah um right like you you have to make a choice and what has happened this season for Sean Clifford and Jahan Dotson and the tight ends is that safety becomes available that that valve yeah. becomes available and you know he's completed those passes and, and you know I I do think that Penn State has uh, to a certain extent made a living off of that so you know you would you would assume that some of those situations will again come into play on Saturday afternoon and to me again Sean Clifford's ability to not just pick up five yards, but like break off a, a big run, like an explosive run is very underrated. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, he's, he's much better at that than he necessarily gets credit for. Uh, and so that's, that's the kind of thing that, that, that changes uh, a defense, right? Like James Franklin talks about this all the time about how by doing something once or doing something twice, that a defense doesn't expect or isn't prepared for and it kind of gouges you that that changes things that that shakes you up uh, as a defensive play caller and changes how you defend it moving forward so I I do think that those are those are a couple of elements that Penn State might be able to have some success with on Saturday
0: yes yes but so this folds perfectly into our next question from Twitter this is from AJ Quintana With a run game against Indiana showing some improvement, how much of an X factor will the play action pass ability be for a defensive unit that seems to be very opportunistic, primarily in the pass game? And he's he's talking about the Iowa passing attack or the Iowa pass coverage and their opportunisticness. So, this is the problem that uh, what you just talked about with Sean Clifford and, and his ability to scramble and this particular conversation is Iowa's defense. Is one of the most disciplined front sevens that I see on a regular basis. So when it comes to the decisions in this in the flat of Sean Clifford is breaking the pocket and what do I do? It's kind of like when you when you when you see guys, and I, I always hear the old heads complain about guys that don't know baseball, right? What do you do in this situation? There's a runner on second. There's a runner on first. You know, it's a whatever the situation is. I don't know baseball uh, from uh, high lie. So really, I don't know the particular situations that would cause you conflict. But this is one of those in football of what you just described. The linebackers, especially Jack Campbell, are very good at being disciplined patient and forcing you into the wrong decision in those situations. And I don't think they're going to be biting on play action because one of the things they don't do. And one of the problems that Penn state has had classically with Iowa is on the RPO game. They don't step up. They do not step up and void those zones. They wait until things are declared and then they come downhill like madmen. So that's going to be from the play action passing perspective. And from Sean Clifford, I've mo- I have more, uh, confidence in Sean Clifford being able to make them wrong than I do play action passing. I think you're going to have to run the ball and throw the ball and you'll get some play action here and there, but it's not going to be against the linebackers. not going to be chunk plays like you get from most teams. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, you're going to have to beat them. They are not going to make mistakes and, and you're going to have to, you're going to have to make sure that when the, when, when you are in that situation, you force them to make an, a mistake with athleticism or you force them to make a mistake uh, because you've done something schematically that breaks their zone coverages more so than they have a brain fart. And they charge the quarterback and leave the one of the Big Ten's most dangerous receivers open in the flat like an Indiana defender. You're not not really going to get that. Well, uh,
1: is it, I mean, isn't that? Like the way that we talk about this game and the way that it's, it's framed, like is anybody going to score points? <laughs> like, both of these events, it's just, it's yeah. hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine. And like, it's, it's never exactly what you expect, obviously the way that a game plays out. But if, if this becomes a field position game, right, where it's just mm-hmm. constantly swinging and both teams are starting from their own 20 yard line. Uh, can, can can you sustain drives? And to me, the answer is probably not for both sides. Yeah. Like I, I just, you you don't see that as being a, a regular feature in this game. And so that's where the turnovers become so important. And that's where the right, like, yeah, just maintaining possession of the ball being like a punt in this game is probably a good outcome a yeah. lot of times.
0: I hate I hate agreeing with you, but one thing James Franklin said yesterday that I thought was. Uh, you know, very per, a very perceptive thing is Jordan Stout right now is fourth in the nation in average yards per punt in net punting, 45 yards per punt. Uh, and you gave me some of those stats. I want to bring these up because these are really important of, uh, let's see here. Uh, Off punts, Indiana... uh, So when Jordan's out punting the ball, Indiana started at their 14, their 9, their 11, their 12, and their 23-yard line. Villanova was in a similar situation where they were on their goal line most of the game. Uh, And then Wisconsin... 23, 47, 25, 26, 31, 2018. That one is a little more even, but still, they have a couple of drives starting at their 20 or around their 20, and that's that field-flipping ability that Jordan Stout has. James Franklin talked about this last night of the analytics say go it and forth down. Your conversion rate is, is very high uh, or higher than you think. And he said, if you've got a punter that's making them go 90 plus yards every time, I don't think they factor that into the the decision making process of I can pin them deep and most offenses can't go that far and score a touchdown. That's the whole point of going for it on fourth down. It's flipping that conversation on its head.
1: Yeah. And, and, and that was what I was driving at is, yeah. is for as aggressive as James Franklin wants to be for as much as he wants to play those numbers and to do those things that might be unconventional in traditional football, uh, it's it's almost it's almost playing opposite of that for him mm-hmm. because it it becomes more beneficial and I think that he knows this and they, look they they always try out these these numbers um, but it's like you, you have a ninety three percent chance of getting a stop if your opponent is right like of your yeah. opponent not scoring points if their possession starts inside their own 15-yard line. That's exactly like, right. It, That's exactly right. Yep. It's it's wild. And so it's it's just <laughs> There's there's such a uh we always talk about the game in it, like this feel stuff and the right like uh Yeah. But either it's, or it's always,
0: either or, you know? Either it's analytics or feel. And Right, but it's
1: it's it's just stats. They're just yeah. like that's that's how that's how the game actually plays itself out is I mean it's a lot more like baseball than it it, it seems right it's yes. just yep. you know, they're going they know what the number that's what all those charts are they know what the numbers are it's blackjack here <laughs> they just they yep. they know uh, what the approach needs to be to give you give yourself the best opportunity for success and Jordan Stout has been a major weapon.
0: Yeah, in that element for Penn State this season. Uh, before we get to our last question, something that we talked about before the show that I want to bring up here, and kind of when we have conversations about the running game and and you know our general opinion of it, and and truthfully, Penn State's general opinion of their ground attack, and this is kind of I think the disconnect is, um, if you want to be Iowa. I'll, I'll, I'll phrase it this way if you want to be Iowa you want to be tough in the trenches you want to run the football and you want to be great at the uh traditional things of football you are subscribing to a self-limiting philosophy that will not win you championship level games because I said again I said this this week if you sign up to be Iowa the terms and conditions are your offensive line is not great at pass blocking it's it just it you have to if you unless you're alabama Unless you can just say, whatever we want to do, whatever scheme we want to run, power to spread in the same exact drive. If we want to do that, we can do it. Everyone else has to make decisions. And if you're deciding to be a team that limits their explosive plays and focuses on getting doubles and singles... You are Wisconsin. You are going to be Minnesota now with PJ Fleck of a guy that's going to run the ball 60 times, take the air out of the game, and then you're going to lose to bad teams because you've limited your explosive play potential, which you have gobs of if you're a Power 5 team versus a non-Power 5 team. So don't focus on the wrong thing. Get explosive plays from your run game. Get conversions when you need them, but focus on what's important. And in this game, Penn State has what's important to win. They just need to make sure that they don't turn the ball over. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it look, like
1: if, if Penn State goes and I ran the stat, I'm hoping I remember it correctly. I think they were one of six on third or fourth down situations of two or fewer yards. So short yarded situations. Penn State went one of six against Indiana. They, they can't do that. Yeah. They can't do that. They, they, they need to be able to stay on the fit. Now, granted, if it's James Franklin's, uh, you know what James Franklin wants. They're not even getting the third down, right? Right. State's offense is going to pick up first downs on first down or first downs on second down. So they're not going to like, he wants to avoid those situations as much as they can, but when you're in them, you got to do better than that. You got to do better than one of six. And so that, that to me is, is going to, it, it will be a key element of this uh, again, like along with turnovers, along with explosive plays is can you stay on the field can you can you extend that possession because every time that you do it helps you whether or not whether or not you score points whether or not you get a field goal or a touchdown on that possession or not every time you move those chains you set (laughs) jordan's you set jordan stout up to pin them deeper right like that's that is that is going to be a winning formula for Penn State in this game and if you're starting the ball with your uh, if you're starting with the ball on your own 25 and get to third and one at the the 34 yard line and you can't convert that that dramatically shifts the dynamic that yeah. dramatically changes where i was going to start with with the ball and so you're not it, facing just, a
0: team like Ohio State with a similar philosophy that might hit an explosive play and might get 80 yards and might flip the, the statistics in their favor. You're yep. facing a team that does not have that capability, so you have the advantage there. That's, oh. I think that's perfect. Now, totally. about those third and short conversions... A guy that might help and has helped in the past was Noah Kane. We're kind we've kind of discussed that ad nauseum. So another question based on how he performed last week. Might it be time for Devin Ford to get another chance? He is fast, a good blocker, and can catch passes. Nate, what's your read on this situation? This ever-evolving it's a it's a dune in the desert of shifting landscape of which running back is going to have the hot hand this week.
1: Yeah, so I don't. I don't necessarily share or see the opinion that he, and and I respect yours tremendously, but the, the notion that he is athletically limited from being a contributor, that, that in some way that he is such a giant step backward in athleticism that he can't be of value or of use. Uh, to me, I see a guy who has been through it, and as you pointed out in your film study this week, is is getting after it, right? Yeah. Like he, he's gonna pass protect, he's gonna do uh and fight to do the things that I think if I'm reading all the tea leaves correctly, Penn State is desperate for. They they want a dog. Yeah. <laughs> like yep. that like this 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 offense, Penn State's offense is need some dogs and I don't know that they have it right now. And so when James Franklin talks about, you know, uh, a, a change of, what's the word attitude, right? Like, yeah, that's it. That's, that's the attitude is, is, Hey guys, some of you are bigger. Some of you are stronger. Some of you are faster than this guy, Devin Ford, but we're going to give him the shot and not you. If, you're not willing to to play that way, right? That's, that's it is, is just, you, you gotta muster that. And, and it ranges all over the place. It's, it's the offensive line. It's the running backs. It's the tight ends. How, how are you going to get this accomplished? Uh, and, and I don't think that Penn state really has any reservation about making the decision from a personnel standpoint of who gets the ball in that situation. Uh, like they're not, they don't limit themselves. And you've seen that. You've seen that with some of the goal line carries that they're giving to Tyler Warren.
0: Yep.
1: Right? Like, who is it? So, so yeah, that's, I mean, to me, that's, that's another big element here is I I do think, to answer the question, I I do think Devin Ford deserves an opportunity. Yeah. Um, And that takes nothing away from, from Lee. Kane, will see where he's at this week and, and, you know, what his health is. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think that Guys who show it in practice and guys who show it on film, they'll, they'll give those guys a nod.
0: So there are two situations we're talking about here when it comes to Devin Ford. I think he should be given more... uh, He he has earned those with his play, doing the dirty work, fighting for it, and, and fighting and fighting and fighting for it. I think he should be rewarded for that. And there is a role for him as that explosive perimeter screen guy, maybe. The problem is John Lovett is doing a very good job of limiting negative plays when the offensive line doesn't block well on the outside zone, and getting the yards that are there. Devin Ford, do you you trust the same way? They have a similar skill set in that arena specifically, so that's kind of a roadblock to his overall contributions to the offense outside of what he's doing now. Then if we talk about the third down situation, the, the short yardage situation, he has been given those opportunities so far this season. He's been given a couple where it's third and short, and he... He's the opposite of Keevan Lee, where Keevan Lee, I said this in my film uh, review this week, he had two options uh, in a situation where the blocking had presented him with two options, and he tried to, to take three in the space of two steps. Uh, Devin Ford is going to take the first one, which is straightforward through whatever color jersey there is, and I, you know, you love that, but the problem simply is what I've said from the beginning is he needs more leg drive. He if yep. he's going to be a violent runner and he has that explosive breakaway speed. He is a bit of an Adrian Peterson upright running style to him, which can work If you're 215 pounds and he has not really gained that muscle mass throughout his career. So that's to me, the biggest problem is Penn State's biggest need. He can't really fill it despite the will and the effort to be there. So that's my biggest limiter on where he fits in, in the offense, but he does deserve more snaps. And if Mike Yersich is the guy that's as creative as James Franklin said he is, and he, and he is, they'll find a way to get him on on the field and involved.
1: Yeah, no, and that's, and that's right. Like that's exactly where I was headed is, Penn State's assist it's not like they're coming at this with a rigid mentality. Yes. These guys are yep. malleable. They they will adjust as necessary. They're willing to make the calls uh as necessary to give them the best chance to win. And so I I do find I do find the the weekly conversation about the running backs to be interesting in the sense that like we, you know, we see a fraction of Yeah. What these guys do and so you can't you know i just it, it's it's very bro- it's a broad subject and i i have very little doubt that penn state will believes that it's making personnel decisions that are in the best interest of the team from a from a not just a localized uh situation of like who who gives you the best chance to break off a big one or yeah. who pick up third and second, you know, like it, it's, it's more along the lines of who does, who is doing the best job of doing everything that needs to be done.
0: Right. Yeah. Yep. So. Who's, who's taking care of business when they're asked to do whatever it is. Yeah. Correct. Uh, any last thoughts as we wrap up here, what are you, what are you thinking about as we're ending the show and looking at the next couple of days before you head off to Iowa city?
1: yeah, no, nah, I mean, look, I think it's going to be a good one. I I, I never have a, a, a great sense of, um, well, maybe that's wrong. Maybe I do have a great sense.
0: I I don't know. Like I, I just, based I on just what think, you said this week, I think you're pretty confident and comfortable that Penn State's going to win this one. Like you seem I, pretty confident in what you've seen. I, I do kind of think that
1: I do kind of think that like I, I picked Penn state 20 to 17 uh, in my answers for uh, our, our colleagues and our friends over at the Iowa site and their message board, you know, took offense to to that. Yeah. Right. I mean like, but it's, it's a, uh, somebody brought it up.
0: You gave them, you gave them 20 points. That's it for this offense. 20 points. That's it. Well, that's what I'm saying is is, that's polite. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, and and
1: they're saying, well, you know, there's no chance that anybody in this game gets the twenty, and uh, you know, to, to pick Penn State when Iowa has demonstrated that it can win. Like I, I, I see an Iowa team that I, I don't think has really had to play a level of competition that Penn State has had to play, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I'm also bringing some prejudices to the table of what Iowa is. Yep. What what Iowa football wants to be. And so are there scenarios where Iowa can win this game? Absolutely. Crowd always comes into play, like all all of those extraneous things, peripheral things, they're worth a couple of points probably. Yeah. But I just I just it, it remains the same to me of how many avenues do you have to win? And Penn State has demonstrated now this season that it has a lot of avenues, yep, a lot of different paths that it can take to get a win in a game like this against an opponent like Iowa. Um, and so that's that's kind of where I stand. I I, I I struggle to see Iowa in a blowout. Penn State would have to completely abandon all of the characteristics that is shown yes. so far this season.
0: Yep. yep. Um, I, I think that's that's kind of where I'm landing, too. Of, I do think for Penn State to win comfortably, for this to be one of those games, Sean Clifford has to play the game of his season so far because a lot of it's going to be on him. The running game I don't think is going to be particularly effective, so he's yep. going to need to be on point with his details of how he operates the offense, both in the short game and the long game. And he's shown he's not going to make mistakes, even against Indiana. He made the one mistake, and then in, in in dicey situations, he didn't throw the ball. He didn't make that mistake. That's what Talia Tungavaloa did is he kept going after them. Now, yep. eventually, when you get a good quarterback and you do that and you have good receivers, that will break a team, but not Maryland. That was the recipe for disaster. <laughs> I don't see Sean Clifford doing that. And for that reason and the reason of you know the, the Penn State defense, I, I think you're right. Penn State has more paths to victory in this game
1: yeah well and, and look like we we we're, we're constantly talking about Sean Clifford in context of yes his career but i think that this year has been instructive mm-hmm. he yeah. is
0: he is the quarterback that he has been this season. Like, I, yes, he is. Uh, he uh, has evolved to that, you know? So I, I think we both, the, what you're, I think what you're alluding to is like, stop referring to 2020. It, it, like, let's throw that part out. This is the guy you should be focusing on. The guy he is in these five games.
1: The sample size is large enough now. Yes. And I've seen him do it, uh, at Wisconsin, not in the first half. He didn't have that many opportunities in the first half. Granted, yep. but, did it in the second half against Iowa, did it against Ball State, did it against Auburn. Like these are legit teams. And and did the same thing against Indiana. He made yep. one mistake. But uh these they have played, Penn State has played, Sean Clifford has played at least three of five legitimate defenses. Yep. And to have had that success, I don't think there is reason to believe that that this will be some massive departure from those performances that he's already shown. I think he's ready for it. I I do. So
0: we'll see uh some shameless self-promotion if you want to go back through the daily edition on monday i talked about exactly that where he is compared to where he was in his first season starting in 2019 and the obvious ways he's improved and i think that if you take that into account this is the formula that it's always been for penn state so uh i think we're gonna we're gonna end on that note of sean clifford surprise surprise (laughs) (laughs) what who Uh, That'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. We're taking off like a rocket ship, so you want to be a part of this. YouTube, and of course, wherever you get your podcasts, like, subscribe, hit the notification button. I don't want it to be repetitive here because, you know, I want you to hear it. You need to subscribe for us to keep going. We'll be back again tomorrow.